0: In the coming weeks, and maybe even going into the next few months, you'll hear Jonathan Smith and Jed Fish's name tied to potential job vacancies in college football. There's a reason. They're both really good coaches. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepix.com locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. So you can look at lists everywhere, a report of questionable validity, maybe here or there, with regards to whether or not Jonathan Smith or Jed Fish would be a coaching candidate elsewhere. And there are some quotes from Jonathan Smith he gave on John Canzano's radio show that I'm going to read in a few minutes here that are pretty telling as to what I am talking about. But I want to talk about each of these guys and kind of what jobs I think they will be targets for and where they would or would not be a fit. So the one job that's open right now that gets plenty of chatter is Michigan State. So Michigan State is of course, you know, no longer in uh, the Mel Tucker era and they're looking for a new head coach, plenty of reported candidates or potential candidates out there. You know, the, the usual suspects, you know, you have some crossovers between Michigan state and Texas A&M targets like Mike Elko at Duke or Jeff Trailer at UTSA. I don't think he's been tied to Michigan state uh, quite as much, but I think between Jed Fish and Jonathan Smith, Either one of them would be a target and either one of them would be willing to leave where they're at to go to Michigan State. Not that Arizona doesn't have a chance to go play in the Big 12 and compete. They do. Not that Oregon State doesn't have a chance to try to put together a good enough schedule as a de facto independent and compete for a college football playoff spot. If they can keep the funding at a power five level, yeah, they could be in the mix for an at-large berth once every few years. I could absolutely see that. The Big Ten is one of the two largest conferences and most prestigious ones in America. It's hard to turn those jobs down. It's really, really hard. Now, I don't think every job in the Big Ten would be that much of an allure. Michigan State is a program that's made the 14 college football playoff and can compete at a very high level. I don't think it's a tier one kind of job in college football or in the Big Ten like Uh, an Ohio State or a Michigan, for instance, but I think it's pretty close, maybe just like a notch below a Penn State. And I think that's above what both Arizona and Oregon State can offer competitively and financially as well. So I think either one would go there. Now, the Texas A&M situation is different. Should Jonathan Smith be a candidate for Texas A&M? Of course, he's a great coach. Everybody is well aware of that. I don't think Jonathan Smith would go to Texas A&M. Jonathan Smith I've never met the guy. I've never interviewed him before, but I've read plenty of quotes about him and seen him talk and the way he runs his program. He is very much a low key like he's great for Oregon State, not just because he is an alum, but because he he's not flashy, he's not loud, he's not you know he he seems like just a very nice normal kind of guy who's just a really really good football coach. And I think that's the sort of person that works in Michigan State. Look at Mike D'Antonio, who was the coach of Michigan State for a long time and had a lot of success there. I think Jonathan Smith is a lot closer to that guy than he is to fitting in at Texas A&M. Now, you can talk about fit and whether or not it matters and winning is all all that matters, but here's the thing. At Texas A&M, competing in the SEC, where Texas is now entering, you have to recruit at a high level and you have to be all in on that sense. You can 100% make the case. Well, Texas A&M, you know, already recruits really well. Well, they brought in a guy in Jimbo Fisher who cared about recruiting a lot, who recruited at a high level, to my knowledge, over at Florida State. And I'm not saying Jonathan Smith doesn't care about recruiting. I don't think he's someone who goes all in on it. Does he recruit well at Oregon State compared to their standards? Yeah, he does a good, solid job. I don't know that recruiting from the high school ranks is something he is all in on enough to do it in the SEC. I don't think that fits what he wants to do at a program. I think Michigan State is a lot closer to what he'd be searching for if he wants to take that next step in his career. Jed Fish, on the other hand, I think he could be a candidate for Michigan State. I think he could be a candidate for Texas A&M. You look at the way he started recruiting when he got to Arizona. I remember talking about it here on the show. It's one of the early indicators why I like Jetfish. He got there in Arizona off a one in 11 season, pulled in a top 25 recruiting class, brought in the highest rated recruit in program history has a footprint in the Southern part of the country, by the way, with his ties in Arizona. It's not that far from Texas. I don't know how many players they've, they've got from Texas, but again, That sort of stuff, whereas Smith has been up in Corvallis, I I think Corvallis is a lot more similar to East Lansing than it is College Station, Texas. So I think Fish could be a candidate at either spot, and I think that Smith would only really be a serious candidate at at, at Michigan State. And for those who may be doubting, well, I don't think Smith is going anywhere anything like that. Straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. This was Jonathan Smith on John Canzano's radio show, Uh, just the other day. Question, what do you say to Oregon State fans who are nervous about losing you? Quote, they can be confident I'm completely focused on the task at hand. Okay, sidebar, when you're asked about your future at school and you say task at hand, it's not a great start. Resuming quote here, they can be confident that we're battling week in and week out And that has not changed. There has not been some distraction on that. I think it's known what this place means and what I've done and been around here. And I think that speaks for itself. End quote. Translation, he has at least been open to the idea of being a head coach somewhere other than Oregon State. No guarantee that that's going to materialize. That quote, though, that he says, I'm focused on the task at hand and they know what this place means to me and we're battling week in and week out. That's that can inspire a lot of confidence. Can't cannot inspire a lot of confidence if you're an Oregon State fan there. Kenzano goes on. Does that mean you have not had contact with other schools? Quote, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. I've got an agent that's got a job. He best be finding out what is out there and people calling. That's how that works. I can tell you from his side, he best be working just because I'm paying him so much they get a percent. That's a great quote. They get a percentage and I'm making him a couple million bucks. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Any coach, they're aware of what's potentially out there if their agent is doing their job. I'm not trying to dodge the question. I'm trying to be truthful. Well, to be truthful, kind of sounds like he dodged the question uh, quite a bit there, though not entirely. And he's making it very known. He's understanding the landscape and looking at what else is out there. There's another quote out out there from, from Smith, but I I think the point has been made. Those indicate really clearly to me, he is open to taking another job. That is no guarantee. He's going to emerge as a top candidate somewhere. He absolutely could be. And that would be a gut punch for Oregon state in the midst of all this sort of stuff. So, I think that Jonathan Smith is a really good coach. I hope he stays at Oregon State because as we've seen, he does very well there. He fits there. He is an alum and he is having a lot of success to the point where if he loses to Oregon on Friday and it's an eight win season, that's going to be seen in the eyes of a lot of Beaver fans as a disappointing year. That is completely resetting the standard. He has done an outstanding job. Jed Fish has done an outstanding job. He's going to end with a nine-win regular season after they beat Arizona State on on Friday. So I look at those two, and that's where I feel like they could go. Um, Also, a Baylor could come open or a Houston could come open. I don't think Smith would go to either spot. Jed Fish certainly would not go to either spot. So I don't think any other, any big 12 job or even an ACC job, I couldn't see that. But Texas AM m for Jed Fish, yes. For Smith, no. For Michigan State, either one. I could absolutely see that as a possibility. You know what else is a possibility? That it's rivalry week. In fact, that is a strong probability that it's rivalry week. What are the storylines as all these rivalries play out? Yeah, we got to talk about that. After we talk about Prize Picks, of course, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you'll watch the winnings roll in. Picks offers a reboot policy. What is that? Well, your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted on Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance policy. You know that frustrating, maddening feeling you get playing fantasy football when the guy you put in for the week gets hurt in the first quarter and can't get you any points? Prize Picks doesn't let you get worked like that with the reboot policy. So go to prizepickscom slash locked on college, use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom slash locked on college, use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's talk about some football here. Lots of football this week, five games in the pack. 12, Well, six, actually. USC is the one team not playing, though. Notre Dame plays Stanford. So the storylines in every game is what we're going through here. Let's start with the biggest game of the week. That's Oregon and Oregon State. It'll be the only ranked matchup in the Pac-12 this week. It'll be the one with the biggest stakes because if Oregon wins, they go to the Pac-12 championship game. If Oregon State wins, boy, that'd be a heck of a feeling, wouldn't it? To beat Oregon two years in a row as they leave you behind to go to the Big Ten, you're thinking about continuing to play the game formerly known as the Civil War. The Beavs have got a chance to play the spoiler of all spoilers here for the Ducks. Meanwhile, Oregon is playing for all of their season goals. I do not think Arizona is going to lose to Arizona State. Therefore, it's black and white for Oregon here. Win and you're in to the Pac-12 championship game and keeping your playoff hopes alive. Lose. And it's off to a bowl game that they probably would be the holiday bowl again, like last year. And that's not where this Oregon team wants to end up. So big, big stakes there. I think bigger for Oregon, but certainly for Oregon State. Here's what makes the bees dangerous in this game is I think as a team, they're coming in. You know, they can't reach the Pac-12 championship game. They haven't reached their goals this year, and they're not going to be able to. They're playing with nothing to lose. That's a dangerous sort of football team. And that line hovering around two touchdowns, if it goes over two touchdowns by the time I make the Pac-12 prime picks on Friday's show, that's going to be 14 and a half in the plus department for Oregon State. So that's what's on the line there. How about the Apple Cup? Washington has got a chance to do something that's never been done in the Pac-12, and that's go 9-0 in conference play. And I think they're going to do it. They deserve a lot of credit for that. Shout out to the college football playoff committee, by the way, who I didn't have to start ranting about to begin today's show because they finally got something right. Holy smokes. It's a miracle. It turns out sometimes you see a unicorn. Blind squirrels find an acorn. And, you know, Ted Lasso hits a dartboard with the right hand, right? He's left-handed, of course. The playoff committee got it right. They rewarded Washington for the win. They overly punished Oregon State. What a bunch of ridiculous – you fall five spots. For losing a two point game to a top five team. Are you kidding me? I just, oh gosh. And then Tennessee is ranked. I had to pause to just let that sit out there because it's so ridiculous. Tennessee in their last two games has been outscored 74 to 17. That's what happens when they play ranked teams. And guess what? They're, they're number 25. SEC bias. It never goes away. But Washington is inside the top four. That's good for the Huskies. That is where they should be. They have a chance to go 9-0 this week. And by the way, they wouldn't just go 9-0 for the first time ever. They do it in the best rendition of the Pac-12 we've probably ever seen. Remember, after the non-conference slate, seven teams in this conference were ranked. Seven. It was a crazy number. Now, Washington State and Colorado, yeah, they fell off pretty hard. They fell. might not have fallen off as hard if they'd played in a different conference because I watched Colorado go into TCU and, and beat them on the road. Just saying. That's the thing that happened. But to do it in the best the league has ever been um, would be just wildly impressive and cement their case as a national title contender, which they absolutely are. Here's the thing. Washington is going to win the game. I, I don't have any doubts about that. They shouldn't have to win this game to get in or to have a chance to go to the playoff. Because if you're a 12-1 conference champ, you should be able to get in. Or at least have a very good chance to, especially when you've played a schedule as tough as Washington's. It's not easy, and they just keep winning. They're going to win the game. They shouldn't have to, but they're going to win the game. So Washington State, meanwhile, is fighting to salvage positivity after a nice win against Colorado last week on senior day. They've had a down year compared to what they, you know, were capable of after a 4-0 start. But beating this game would have the same sort of feel. It would be a spoiler roll if the Cougs were able to pull this big upset. They would make a bowl game. And carrying that momentum in the midst of realignment uncertainty, let's just say that would put you in the outright winner department on Monday show when we do winners and losers, which is, of course, the uh, – my version of the fan mood tracker, which other pundits do. So let's move on. The duel in the desert, Arizona and Arizona State. Now, if Arizona wins, they can make the Pac-12 title game. In fact, they will if Oregon State wins. That's an if. I think Oregon's going to win the game, but it is not out of the realm of possibility to think Oregon State comes in playing loose and free with nothing to lose and goes in there and pulls a little upset. If that happens and Arizona wins the game, Arizona plays for the Pac-12 championship. What a world. What a world. Most importantly, though, you know what I love about this Arizona-Arizona State game? I got this from Richie Bradshaw locked on Sun Devils all the time. This matchup every year, no matter the records, is just pure, unbridled disdain for one another. They don't like each other. They just don't like each other. And I love that. That's what a rivalry is supposed to be. I'm glad it'll continue in the Big 12. Utah against Colorado. What's on the line? Pride. Four-letter word, and that's it. That's all there is. Colorado's not making a bowl game. Utah's not making a great one. That's it. That's all that's on the line. How prideful are you as a program? What kind of effort are you going to put out there? Utah's already going to a bowl game. Colorado's already missing one. That's all that's on the line. Notre Dame against Stanford. Only thing on the line worth noting here for the Cardinal. Can they carry a ridiculous amount of momentum into the offseason? They've had, by my account, a successful first season under Troy Taylor. They might finish with the same record as last year. They have a worse roster than last year. It's year one of a rebuild. If they win this game, it's at Notre Dame. They're like a 26 and a half point underdog. It would be a shocker of all shockers, to be sure. By the way, they beat Notre Dame a year ago. Actually, this game might be at home. Let me let me double check. That game might be being played at the farm, in which case you never know. You never know when a team can suffer the curse of the farm, which is if you don't have that big of an environment, can you get up for the game? That one is indeed being played in Stanford. My apologies. So you never know. Games on the Pac-12 network. How about that? Notre Dame. Playing on the Pac-12 network, Irish fans about to be upset that they can't watch. Anyway, lastly, UCLA against Cal. Interesting storylines here. Turns out Chip Kelly was not coaching for his job, or if he was, he saved it against USC and was not going to be let go no matter what because they won the game. He's still the head coach. And the athletic director, I think, went to him and said, yeah, it's an incorrect report. Sorry about that. But what if he loses this one? It's a home game. The Bruins are already going to a bowl game. Cal hasn't assured that though. This is a low stakes game. It absolutely is. I'm not going to argue with you there in the national landscape of college football, but as a PAC 12 sicko fan, I'm intrigued by this matchup because UCLA is chip coaching for his job. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he should be. Could he be? Eh, I don't know. It depends. Cal's a nine point underdog. If they come in and beat you, might not feel great to send the home fans off with two straight losses to teams that were under 500 when you played them. Cal, meanwhile, is playing for a bowl game. They've missed it the last couple of years. They haven't played a bowl game since 2019, I believe was the last time. And if they win this game, I will nail both of these record predictions right on the money if Cal wins. Yeah, I'm pulling for the Bears just for just for that particular reason. I've been a Jed Fish fan since I saw his first season, really since I saw his first off season and then his second season. I have liked Jed Fish. A lot of people like Jed Fish. I think he should be the Pac-12 coach of the year. I also think you should know about LinkedIn jobs because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there and create a free job post in minutes, which is super duper easy. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can focus on who you'd like to prioritize and hire and do so quickly. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions. Both of them do apply. Okay. Before I get to my Jed Fish uh, coach of the year thing, a question came in. Mailbags always open, by the way. YouTube comments or Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or LO underscore pack 12. Love talking with you all over there. Thank you for making the show what, what it is. Hey, Spencer. This from Tony. Hey, Spencer. Great job on this podcast. Appreciate you, my man. Question. If Oregon State and Washington State get this Pac-12 money, why not petition the Big 12 to get in and not take any of the Big 12 money until the next Big 12 TV negotiation? And to add on to that, take half until the next TV negotiation. Just wondering what your thoughts are on this piece. This is an interesting idea. Not one that can happen, but I'll get to. But An outstanding thought because SMU is doing the same thing. Oregon and Washington are taking lesser shares to go to the Big Ten. Cal and Stanford are doing the same thing in the the, uh, ACC. SMU is taking zero. Zero. Like Mark Baum in the Big Short. Zero. Zero. He is taking, they're taking zero dollars from the meteorites distribution and their donors are just funding it. The reason this can't work, Tony, is that if Oregon State and Washington State were to go be members of the Big 12 as of next year, which is a 99.999% chance of not happening, like it's not going to happen, unfortunately, even though it should. It's not. Big 12 is too full right now. If they go and do that, they would no longer be people who can claim sole board membership, and therefore control of the PAC-12 assets and all the money they're trying to gain control of right now. They'd be in the same position as the other schools. And at that point in time, the PAC-12 as a legal entity would dissolve. And then everyone would get an equal share from this year's conference revenue distribution and go their separate ways. So that's why that, that can't work out. But that is a great, great question. Here's another one. Why isn't Jed Fish the coach of the year? Well, I don't have a great answer to why isn't he. I have a great answer to why is he the coach of the year? Arizona, going into the final week of the regular season, has a legitimate, realistic, and possible outcome in two games, one of which they play and one of which they don't, obviously, to get to the Pac 12 championship game. They have beaten four ranked teams. This year might actually be five. I'd have to let me let me let me double check that real quick because I want to get my facts straight when talking about why I think Jed Fish is so fantastically awesome. As we all know, Arizona in their last five games have beaten four ranked teams. The other two ranked teams they played this year, they lost by seven and two points respectively. He has done. A marvelous job. And I'm not saying there aren't other qualified candidates. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer should be one of the targets. Here's the thing last year, Washington was coming off of a four and eight season, and DeBoer went 11 and two. And Jonathan Smith delivered Oregon State's first 10 win season after they won their bowl game since 2006. They went nine and three in the regular season. Compared to what their expectations were and what they were working with, they vastly outperformed what a good or average or solid or below average coach would have done. I think when you're looking at coach of the year, you have to look at what a coach is working with, right? So for example, an Oregon coach hasn't won coach of the year since 2010. Why? Because when Chip Kelly went on that run, it elevated Oregon to being a very, very good job in college football. So when a coach goes there and succeeds, it's not as impressive as it is when a coach goes to Arizona or Oregon State and succeeds. DeBoer was a co-coach of the year with Jonathan Smith last year because he took a 4-8 and team, added a couple of pieces, and went 11-2. and That's coach of the year sort of stuff. Coming into this year, though, that eleven and two team is largely still intact in Seattle. Jed Fish took a five and seven team a year ago, and a program that won one game in his first season, and had a think I think it was a twelve game losing streak when he arrived, and has brought them onto the brink of making a conference championship game in the deepest Pac twelve we have ever seen in recent memory but really in the 12 team era it's the best the conference has been the reigning heisman trophy winner is seven and five with a coach who had never won fewer than 10 games I don't think that happens in the Big 12 but it happens at the Pac-12 100 so when you look at the coach that has done the most with his situation that has maximized it you can absolutely look at Washington because you can't do more than winning every single game. But what did you think was more possible before the season? Washington going 12 and0 or Arizona going nine and three? I didn't think I, I'm pretty sure when I was setting floors and ceilings for every team here on the show before the season, I had Arizona's ceiling at eight and four. Their preseason win total was four and a half. They're going to double that when they beat Arizona State this week. I'm sorry, Richie, if you're listening or watching, but that's the thing that's going to happen, even though the game's in Tempe. That, that 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 is such an utter surprise. No one saw this coming in any way, shape, or form. Did you expect Washington to be really good? Yes. So if I had a vote for coach of the year in the Pac-12, I'd go Jed Fish number one, I'd go Kalen DeBoer number two, I didn't really think about who I'd put at at number three. Um, it it'd probably probably be Dan Lanning, Lan, Lanning or Smith. You know, I mean, which, whichever coach wins the civil war this week? How about that? That's who I'd vote number three, and I'd put the other one number four. But my top two, I would put Jedfish number one as the coach of the year, and I'd put De DeBoer number two. If, if those two are co-coaches of the year, the way they did with Smith and DeBoer last year, I'd be totally fine with that because DeBoer going unbeaten, like that's never been done before, and I didn't think that was going to happen. It's a really tough thing to do, especially when the conference is this good. Totally get it. But if you're talking about coach of the year and who's outperformed expectations more, the answer is Jed Fish at Arizona. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.